all right, I'm going to take everything I'm learning from these books and these blogs and everything like that, and I'm going to sit down and actually engineer a series that will hopefully hit my target audience. And because I was very sick and very depressed, I decided that my target audience was me. Hello there, this is Stephen Campbell, and you are listening to The Author Biz, where we discuss meaningful ways to get better results with your author business. Quick question. What do you do when you've tried everything to sell your books and nothing, I mean nothing, is working? Today's guest is USA Today best-selling author Annie Belay, and she was in exactly that position in 2014. She'd quit her job in 2009 to become a full-time author. Over the next five years, she thought she'd done everything possible to build her career, but nothing was working. She was depressed and facing some health problems, as well as the prospect of maybe finding a job to help to pay the bills that were mounting at an alarming rate. That sense of desperation that she felt caused her to challenge some of the assumptions she'd worked under since the start of her career. Something needed to change, and as she put it, things couldn't possibly get any worse. So she set to work engineering a new series using herself as her ideal reader. She made a list of 20 things that she enjoyed while reading books and managed to get 19 of them into the series. Then she spent several months dissecting the urban fantasy genre and building a framework for writing her new series. I think you're going to enjoy Annie's inspirational and seriously educational story. We talk specific earnings numbers from 2009, where she earned $18, through the present, as well as the assumptions she challenged to turn her career around. Then we get into the step-by-step process she used to launch her wildly successful 20-sided sorceress series and her thoughts about staying on offense rather than defense when it comes to running her author business. Quick warning, if you're listening to this with children around, there is some swearing in this episode, so keep that in mind while you're listening. Might be a a good episode to listen with your uh, headphones on. Not a lot of swearing, just a little. As always, you'll find show notes for this episode at the AuthorBiz website. While you're there, please sign up for the email list. You'll get an email from me with links to the latest shows, as well as hand-picked tips, trends, and articles that will help you stay on top of your author business. If you have any comments or questions about the show, please leave them at the AuthorBiz website or ping either Annie or I on Twitter. Annie is at Annie Belay, A-N-N-I-E-B-E-L-L-E-T, and I am at Steve Campbell, F-L. All righty then, let's get to it. Annie Belay, welcome to the Author Biz. Thanks. You and I connected from a comment that a former guest on our podcast, uh, Michael Anderley, said we were talking about his success and going from no books to six books and significant monthly revenue in a fairly short period of time. And I mentioned during that interview how rare that was. And he said, well, not really, because Annie Belay. And then he talked about that for a little bit. So when we got done, I, of course, had to go to your website and read this post that you'd written about 
your uh, your earnings for 2015, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, then somebody told you that that you were mentioned on the podcast. You stopped by and left a a post, and we connected, and we we're doing this show because of that. So I, I'm so thankful to have the opportunity to talk to you, and I'm I'm really thankful that you're one of those authors who is generous enough to post earnings information on their website. What caused you to decide to do that? Well, I mean, one of the things that I really appreciated when I was coming into the business is that people, the the people who were open about what they were earning and like what was possible. And I initially came into it thinking about traditional publication, obviously, because I, it was 2009 and Kindle was like just beginning to be a blip on the horizon. And, but um, Tobias Buckel had done this study of um, science fiction and fantasy author advances. And so I kind of had that as my guideline of like what to go for, what to expect and that kind of thing. And then, you know, people like John Scalzi and Jim Hines were sharing their earnings information. And I just found it really helpful to know, you know, like what it, what is a reasonable advance? Mm-hmm. Like, are there people who are actually making a living at this? Like, you know, who aren't like Stephen King. Right. And, so. and there are, it is hard to find information like what is a reasonable advance and, you know, what what should you expect if you're a first time author and you're going the traditional route? It, it's it's hard to find that information. Well, yeah, because, I mean, honestly, like publishers probably don't want to share it because, <laughs> you know, in, it, it's been shown in corporate environments that um, open salaries actually make more equitable salaries for everybody. Because people don't go, oh, my God, I can't believe that Jack is earning so much more than I am. He's such a <laughs> douche. You know, they say, hey, wait a minute. I, I do as much work as Jack. Like, why am I not earning as much? And they go complain to HR. They don't complain to Jack. Corporate policies are always like, well, not always. But, you know, they, it's often they don't want people to talk about their income, even though it's actually illegal in the United States to tell people you can't share your income. But I think in the publishing world, it's the same way because this business is incredibly uneven. You know, you have people who never get a book deal or sell a single copy of anything and still work and write their hearts out. Mm -hmm. And then you have the J.K. Rowling's and the, you know, Stephen King's. So and then you have all of the people in between. Which is everybody. (laughs) Well, yeah, but it's it's like there's a lot of room in there. Mm-hmm. And so I, it was nice to see that there were people who were not the household names who were still making really good money and, you know, and that you didn't have to settle for the, you know, $2,000 from the first offer that came in kind of advance level, you know, is that it's possible to, to step up. Well, it's interesting. It was really interesting to me to read your summary of the earnings, and you went all the way back to 2009, which was the first year uh, that you decided you wanted to become a full-time writer. Yeah, I quit my job. (laughs) And it worked out really well in 2009 because if I was reading the really small number correctly, I think you made $18 that year. I did. I sold one short story (laughs) to a a semi-pro zine for $18. And the next year, if you go on a percentage basis, it's a huge increase. You went up to $481. So this is yeah. your second year as a full-time author, and, and it, you're probably scratching your head a little bit, but but thinking, I'm going to make this work. And the third year, it's better. 
And then the fourth year, it's even better. You're, you're getting – you're not making a living, but you're making meal money at least. I think the fourth year you were $7,700. There's seventy two hundred, I think. Seventy two hundred. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I couldn't read it clearly enough. But it is a tiny little there was a steady progression up. And at that point you'd written a bunch of short stories. Uh how many novels uh by that point? I had two. Okay. <laughs> All right. And so. actually most of that seven thousand is from one book. Okay. Well, good. And then two thousand thirteen it started well, it didn't start, it just tanked. I stopped writing. I, I published one novel that year, I think. And mm-hmm. then I, like a lot of 2012 and 2013, I was just not working very much. I was super depressed and um, everything that I was trying wasn't working and the selling eBooks was getting harder. Like you couldn't just put up something, you know, and have it expect to sell at all. And I didn't, I stupidly didn't follow up the one thing that did sell. So Yeah. 2013 was not a great year. What, what's it like? I mean, you, you mentioned this, and I don't, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but I'm always curious about it because I've had things like this happen to me as well, where nothing you're doing is working, and you do. You just want to fold yourself up into a little ball and roll into a hole somewhere. Uh, how, how did you get yourself out of that? Well, uh, um, a few things happened. One was that, oh, and, and so in um, 2011, also, my husband lost his job. Oh. <laughs> um, and, like, half my family died, practically. Well, not really. Um, two grandparents, um, an aunt and uncle, and a really good family friend between 2011 and 2013. Wow. So, yeah, it was, it was not a great time in life, period. But also, I... I just wasn't, I just kept trying to do more of the things that weren't working. And so I would like release short stories and bundle things. I was basically following the Dean Wesley Smith plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a student of theirs. I did like 15 workshops with them. I, I drank the Kool-Aid. I listened to everything they said. I followed exactly what they said most of the time. Um, the couple times that I didn't, I actually had really good results, <laughs> but they were telling me that, it wouldn't last, that that wasn't how you build a long-term career, that that was really stupid. You know, that was just new writer bullshit, you know, that, that I was in a hurry. So I like a moron. I was like, okay, all right, I'll, I'll do, you know, I'll be good. Finally, by the end of 2013, we were getting pretty broke. And then I got really, really sick. Um, and I couldn't like, we had huge medical bills, um, tens of thousands of dollars in medical bills. Mm-hmm. And so 2014 dawned and I was like, I, I made, I think I made 40 bucks in January of 2014. And I had over 40 titles up and I, I looked at them and I was like, well, <laughs> you know, either, either something's got to change. Like it can't get worse than this. It really, I mean, that was pretty much zero at that point, you know? So I dropped, um, all of my prices, all of them. I perma-freed a bunch of short stories. Well, Uh, what, what were they before that? So I was, I was following the Dean plan. I had my novels at 599 and 699. I had my short stories at 299. 
Um, and for people, for people who don't know who Dean Wesley Smith is, Dean's been a guest on the show before. And I, oh, has I, he? <laughs> I, I really admire a lot of what Dean says, but uh, I disagree with some of it as well. And I would I would say that I am the case study and do not follow his business advice. <laughs> he he and Chris taught me a lot about craft. Mm-hmm. Um, their character voice workshop was great, but their business advice almost completely killed my career. And I I know that I I I read this I read the stuff and and you you were there with them in person and I I I I'm reading price your books at five ninety nine and six ninety nine and your short stories at two ninety nine and I'm like. No one is going to pay that for these books. His his mentality is that, you know, you only have to sell a couple copies a month and they can just bounce along. And if you just have enough stuff up, it'll add up to money. But I have taken some of their craft courses and I've, I've learned things from them. So I – I I don't dismiss everything they say out of hand. I have a lot of respect for what bo- what they both are doing, uh, but I disagree with some of it. So w- we'll leave it at that. And and you obviously disagree with more of it. But well, I and mean, I have firsthand experience. Yes, you do. How, but so, then, so that's the thing. So 2014 dawn mm-hmm. that happened. Um, and actually, I argued with Dean about pricing because what happened is is I tripled my sales and my money. Which, you know, I mean, it's going from 40 bucks a month to 120, which is like nothing. But I did that only with price changes, mm-hmm. nothing else. And with making like a third of my books free. So I had fewer paid titles and lower prices and I made more money. And so when I pointed this out to him, he got really mad at me and it escalated and um, they banned me from the workshops, which actually was the best thing that could have happened. Really? Oh, yeah. Because what it did is it really made me realize that they're about their brand and their advice and their egos and that, you know, I needed to let go of all of that. Like I had moved beyond them and I needed to start paying attention to what, you know, to actually successful people who were doing things that worked and, you know, in this new world mm-hmm. and not, not with like the old trad mentality and not clinging to that and thinking about what works now, not what worked, you know, before or any of that. Like I needed people who were building their careers now and to see what they were doing. And so it was really, it was really good to be able to let go of that. And obviously it worked really well. And so this, this was 2000, early 2014, you decided to do these things and, and were you just looking out and seeing what other people, people that were successful were doing and saying, hey, this is working for them, so I'm going to try it? Yeah. So like Ed Robertson, um, Robert J. Crane, uh, Susan K. Quinn, uh, Lindsay Baroker, uh, Russell Blake, like all of those people had like blog posts and um, I knew some of them a little bit and I, I ended up in a Facebook group with some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was able to like ask them questions and start planning like, okay, how am I going to completely revamp my whole career? Because I knew at that point with the medical bills and with um, my husband being underemployed and everything, we were pretty much looking at not being able to even pay our rent by November. Like the, all the money would be gone. We wouldn't even be able to keep up on the medical payments or anything all right now i don't want to 
give away the, the key part of the story, and we will get to that. And there are probably a lot of people listening already know what you made in 2014 and 2015, but we'll, we'll slowly, we'll build the story as, as we go. But it wasn't just lowering the price. Something else happened uh, with your writing uh, in 2014. What was that? I wrote a new series. <laughs> and Why? Well, because I I knew that what I had, like, I didn't have any series. That was one of the big mistakes that okay. I made. I just mm-hmm. kind of wrote whatever the muse guided me and didn't <laughs> follow up anything. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to take everything I'm learning from these books and these blogs and everything like that. And I'm going to sit down and actually engineer a series that will, you know, hopefully hit my target audience. And because I was very sick and very depressed, (laughs) I decided that my target audience was me. (laughs) So I made, (laughs) Hey, Hey, it worked out. No, you know, that's one of the the big questions I I had is how did you, how did you figure out this target audience? Because I noticed on your website, you've got a tagline and the tagline is essentially the same on the cover of the first book of the new series. So clearly you're writing for yourself. Yeah. So I I actually made a list, which I have in front of me even. It's right here in my book uh, called Things I Love. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so it was everything that I love to read about. And I just went through that list. And then like it was things like happy endings, good guys win, quirky characters, gamers, nerd stuff, magic. You know, bad guys who accidentally mess with or, or Bad guys who actually missed with badass good guys, you know, mythology, literary references, different cultures, you know, dragons. And how, um, how many things on the list total? Um, Approximately. Probably about 20. Okay. And I decided looking at the list, I'm like, well, if I write an urban fantasy series, because I really like urban fantasy, I can pretty much cram in everything except space battles. <laughs> space battle is on the list it's not going to make it into the series alas i haven't figured that out yet <laughs> but i could pretty much cram in everything else so that's that's kind of how the idea started taking shape and then i just kept on thinking about it and outlining things and planning the series and working on it for months before i ever even put a word on the page really yeah and, and I read a bunch of – well, actually reread because I'd already read them um, – of my favorite urban fantasy novels, and I reverse outlined them. So I went through them, and I just wrote down basically chapter-by-chapter chapter outlines, um, stripping all the details out. So it would just be like, you know, protagonist encounters first problem, you know, hints at bigger problem. You know, protagonist runs into old friend emotional conflict, you know, like – that kind of thing. And then mm-hmm. I looked at what all of these books had in common and like where the beats were and the stories and everything. And also what sort of themes and recurring elements with um, the supernatural and things like that were in them. And then I was like, all right, how do I take all that and then make it mine? And so I came up with my own like master urban fantasy outline, I guess. And I've, I've deviated madly from it, but the first book more or less followed it. <laughs> and so I decided that I would design a series and I would make it so that I could wrap it up in the third book if I had to, although I originally planned an um, eight-book arc 
but that if it wasn't selling, I was going to wrap it up after book three and then just like let it go. And what were your expectations? Because up up to that point, you know, we, we've talked about some of the results you've had. Were your expectations that this is going to go gangbusters or it's just I'm hoping this sells more than $40 a month worth? Yeah, I, I wanted to make I, I needed to make a thousand a month in order to not have to go try to find a day job. <laughs> like a thousand a month would have been enough to bridge the gap in what we couldn't pay. Like it, it wouldn't have paid off my medical bills or anything, obviously, but it would have allowed us to keep up with the payments. It would have allowed us to still buy food and pay our rent. Yeah, I'm sure that there are a lot of people out there listening who are familiar with the concept of bailing as fast as you can to keep the ship from sinking. Yeah, like I, you know, it was it was not a great time. So and it was really scary because in July of 2014, I sold three copies of anything. Like all these books, all, you know, well, not books, a lot of them aren't books, but you know, all these, all these titles up in mm-hmm. three copies. That was it. And I was like, well, this is the end. This is my last Hail Mary pass. Like, let's go. And so in the next month, was there one book in the series or what, what was, what was the process? I released Justice Calling on July 31st. And then I um, released Murder of Crows, which is the second book on the 23rd of August. So about three weeks later. And how did, how did you write them? Is this, did you actually like write, write the first one and publish it and then go on to the second one and write it in three well, weeks? Well, I or? actually had the, the second one mostly done by the time okay. I published the first one. Okay. Um, I, I'd written the second, the first one back um, like May, June. And then I held off on publishing it because it was going to also be in a multi-author bundle. And I wanted to have book two pretty much ready to go. So I was writing book two in July. Okay. And then, so it was getting edited and fixed up in early August. And then I released it and was working on book three. And what happened? I made a lot of money. (laughs) In the, uh, I'm I'm care. I'm like, I'm like spoiler central. In the, uh, in the comment that you left, you said you sold three copies in July of 2014, and in September of 2014, you made twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, so I made about five thousand dollars, I think, like fifty-seven hundred or something like that, in August, which was crazy to me. Like, yeah, when you're hoping for a thousand dollars. Well, especially since I released book one at ninety-nine cents. So Holy I was like, cow. well, I've got no audience. I've got no following you know, F it. I'm just going to go for audience. And that was really scary to me because I still had like evil Dean voice in the back of my head telling me that I was an idiot and I was undervaluing my work. But also because I really needed the money. And and 99 cents, you're going to make 35 cents a sale. And so I was like, man, even if I sell hundreds of copies, you know, that's, that's not going to add up to enough. You know, I'd, I'd have to sell like what, 3,500 copies or something to make a thousand dollars. So and I was like, that's never going to happen. So, but I figured the book two, if I could get enough people reading book one, the book two, I'd make $2 a copy. And that, that, you know, I'd only have to sell 500 of those in order to be able to save ourselves. So anyway, then in August, the second book comes out. Did it start selling immediately because you had oh, seen yeah, the thing so well? Everything climbed at that point. Like book two is it. Book one had sort of, it sold like 50 copies the first day and like 49 the second day and then 11. And I was like, well, it's over. (laughs) 
And then, um, but then after the third day, like that slump, I think the also bots are populating. That's why it slumped. And then I got populated into a whole bunch of also bots. And then it climbed and was like selling like 20 to 30 copies a day pretty consistently for like the next 11 or 12 days. And I was like, you know what? This isn't bad. Like this is better than anything I've ever published, has done. So that's good. Like if even half the people who are buying this buy the second one, I'm safe, you know? And then all of a sudden on like the 11th or 12th day, it started climbing. And by the time I released book two, it was selling over a hundred copies a day just by itself. And you weren't doing anything. You weren't doing no, any advertising. You didn't have a trick. You just wrote nope. a, a good book and priced it perfectly at that time. And, well, and I think, I think the old. cover art really helped too. Your covers are fantastic other... for the whole series. There's, it's it really yeah, well done. It, whoever Raven does them is my cover artist. She's amazing. But that was another tough thing that I I made the decision that I think like probably smarter people wouldn't have made, but it, it looks really intelligent in the you know in hindsight because it worked. But I I actually went seven hundred dollars in debt on an almost maxed out credit card <laughs> to get um, the first three covers and the editing. I, I had made my own covers in the past, mm -hmm. like they weren't half bad, but I wanted wow factor and, um, Raven had done some covers for a friend of mine and I was like, Oh my God, that's, you know, they're, they're amazing. Her work is perfect. She's going to do exactly what I want, but I don't have any money. <laughs> so I was like, all right, well, I've got $900 left on this credit card. <laughs> like we can do this. Let's go. So unfortunately my husband is, understands my crazy, I guess. And he was like, all right, whatever you need. <laughs> I was like, this is going to save us, and it's a tax write-off. <laughs> yeah, which you really needed at that time. <laughs> <laughs> Not, but well, actually, we ended up meeting. <laughs> yes, yeah, but at the time, it's like, well, that's the last thing we need is a tax write-off. So at, at the end of that month when you made, what was it? You said $5,700 or something like that? Yeah, so, it, was, it, was in the, it was over 5000 So that's like five months' worth of save-your-bacon money right there. yeah. And so you knew, hey, this is working. So then, then what? You double down with the, the next book and start writing nonstop? Yeah, so I was writing book three. And then and I really wanted to get out in September, but I didn't. Um, I got it out in the middle of October. But book two kept climbing. And like both books kept climbing, climbing, climbing. And I made over $20,000 in September, which mm -hmm. was utterly insane to me because I knew that because the way Amazon pays is, you know, 60 days forward, right? Yep. So I knew that at the end of November, I would get that payment. And that's and more like, than you'd made since 2009. Yeah. Combined. Combined. That that was almost more than my husband's salary. <laughs> <laughs> and he was an accountant. <laughs> so like, I mean, an underpaid. Obviously accountant, an underpaid but, accountant. But, but uh, he, that was life know, back then. Like my, my first goal after I started really killing it was I was like, all right, I'm going to beat your salary a month. And he was like, you go right ahead. <laughs> and I did in, in December of that year, actually. Okay. So by the end of 2014, you had gone from three total unit sales in July to $63,000 in revenue? Yeah, that was the money that had come in, too, that the, oh. the money that's posted there is the money that that's – Holy cow. Not, not the money that was earned. Wow. So it, doesn't count the, it doesn't count November or December. So that's it really ramped up fast. 
yeah, so so in December of 2014, I made $44,000, I think. And what, what did you think while this was going on? Please don't let it end. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I publish a book, I'm like, well, this is, this is it. This is the one that's going to kill my career. It's over. <laughs> Have you – well, and then – you know, we'll, we'll just skip ahead to 2015 and give the big number for 2015, and then we'll talk about that. Okay, well, I made 263000 Which is, first off, congratulations. That is astonishing, and anyone that's listening should just be proud and happy for you because it's incredible. Should, should, what, I, should I now make them all hate me? Uh that's up to you. That's up to you. <laughs> so I, I actually am pretty sure that if I had not, so I got, I, I've been chronically ill since 2014. Mm -hmm. like I never fully recovered from that. They don't actually know exactly what's wrong. Um, and I got pneumonia in 2015 and actually had it begin this year too. And so I was only able to release two books last year. And if I had kept my publishing schedule, I am almost certain that I would have made over 500000 so by being sick, it cost me a couple hundred thousand dollars, and I'm kind of bitter about it. So. And you have a, a new book in the series coming out in a couple of weeks. So um, yeah. thank you so much for even taking the time to do this today because I know you're under the crush of deadline. I, I appreciate I'm, you I'm doing over that. the crush of deadline. Like deadline is whizzed by. You know, I, I love your website. I, I love your, your blog post, the way you communicate with your readers. It's just like, well, this book's going to be late. Sorry. And, uh, you know, you, you sort of explain why, and it's like five sentences and move on. And, yeah, well, maybe we'll have it in, in this month. But it's, it's, it's just well, like a sporadic conversation with readers. I think it's good to, to keep people informed. Like, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I want to be responsible, <laughs> you know. It's like I don't I don't want to be total silence. Although apparently I've been too silent because um I was amused today that somebody found my site by searching um Annie Belay author still alive. <laughs> 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 and I was like, huh. <laughs> like, dude, oh, that's the, book, good. the book is not that late. <laughs> like, well, when you publish them that quickly there for for a little while. Now let's let's go back to the uh the big number in 2015. Uh, the one, the thing that is on everyone's mind right now is the the best way to market your books is to do Facebook advertising. So surely you spent a ton of money on Facebook advertising, now didn't you? Tell the truth. Um, no. <laughs> I know how much, much you spent because I think it's. I saw it on your website somewhere. Yeah, it should be. I'm pretty sure somebody asked me that. In the yeah, it was in a, it, it was, was in like a comment. Four four thousand or something like that. Yeah. So you did spend a little bit of money on Facebook ads, but it wasn't a lot of yeah. money on Facebook ads. No, and and most of it was in September. To um, I spent like twelve hundred of it. I think was in September. Well, and actually, Facebook ads. Um, I think they asked me advertising in general, not. The Facebook specific. I think four thousand was my total advertising budget. How did that? How did that work for you? When you you, I'm terrible at them. Okay, honestly, like I keep one going on my um, three book bundle at like five to ten dollar budget a day, just to kind of have something going. You know, like 
because because people share it and comment on it and you know it's it's a it's a it's a cheap way to just keep a presence on my facebook without having to actually do stuff on facebook <laughs> that's true um, that's true i'm i am not a good i am not a good model for advertising at all i'm i'm pretty terrible at it so all right so let's let's play what if what if you had stumbled across the idea for a different series. I, I know that under a pseudonym, you wrote a thriller. And I, I was looking at hey. the Amazon page for that, and I thought, hey, that looks, that looks pretty interesting. It's too bad she hasn't written 10 more books in that series because it looks and pretty cool. And if I had in 2011 when it was selling 50 to 100 copies a day at five ninety nine, Oh, it might have worked. I might have been a very different <laughs> career. <laughs> but I never followed it up, and it doesn't sell anything anymore. But if you had... You know, we you came up with a really good idea for a series, and you threw essentially your heart and soul into it with everything that you would like to read about, and you knew exactly who your target reader was because it was you, and it's worked really well. What would have happened if you would have missed the mark? I would have cut it off at three books and tried something else while desperately – seeking some kind of job do you think do you think you would have had a different level of success than what you'd been having just by writing a series a well-written series whether it really catches fire or not i think that well i mean i i want to think that i could do this again hopefully i'm gonna try it but i think that it was uh, you know, it, it's a combination of things like a lot of what I did, I think, is is actually, no, I know is a reproducible thing mm -hmm. because I have had a couple of people who asked me what I did and what they should do, who actually a lot of people ask you, but then they just go do their own thing. anyway. OK, I'm going to ask fine. you right now. What should I do? What should what should we all do? Everyone that's listening and well, who's who's bailing out water out of the boat. What should we I do? Can't, uh, I can't like, I, you know, so many things are dependent on like your genre and, you know, who you are and what you're capable of doing. So, so, I mean, what I did with, with these people was I sat down with them and went through their Amazon author page and then I told them what I would do if I were them. Okay. And yeah. they listened to me and are now making a living. <laughs> so well, they, I'm like, all right. Without, without telling who they are, give us, give us some specifics. So, I mean, um, writing a series, thinking about – before you even start writing, thinking about who your market is. Like what, what, what kind of readers do you want? You know, are they casual readers? Um, what, what other books do they like? Like I wanted to write books for, you know, the, the mainstream commercial urban fantasy market because I love the Iron Druid Chronicles and the Dresden Files and um, the Kate Daniels books and Mercy Thompson and – you know, those, those kinds of series. So I wanted to do something like that. So I was like, okay, what can I write? Like, what are the things that I need to do in order to make these, you know, my books appeal to, well, me, someone who likes to mm -hmm. read those books. I, I think that you, you, you have to think about your market because yes, writing is an art and a craft and all of that, but publishing is business. And if you don't think about the business, you're you might misstep with the craft. 
so I, I think that's always step one is like write a great book that people actually want to read. And it sounds so easy, <laughs> but yeah. it's, it's simple. It's not easy. I think it's, it's very difficult, you know, because readers are very, you know, no, no one person is the same and you're trying to appeal to lots of different people. Um, you know, and so even you can't really say like, oh, well, the urban fantasy reader, there's no like platonic ideal of urban fantasy reader. They're going to like different things because it, you know, that this, you might have hit one thing and then there's another thing that just makes them throw the book at the wall. So it's, you know, where someone else is going to love the thing that you th- they threw the book at the wall. So, but I, I think that that's like the foundation and then all of the business and marketing stuff is what you build on top of that. And that if you don't have the other stuff, you know, the, the foundation might be enough, but it's probably not going to be enough. And so... So I think releasing the first book at 99 cents was, you know, good. <laughs> um, I actually gave it away free to my mailing list at the time also. And I put the print book up a couple of weeks before the ebook so that I could collect early reviews. And I how, got one. How big was your mailing list at that time? 39 people. Okay. <laughs> thank you for Thank you for sharing that because so many people – think that no one's ever had an, a mailing list of 39 people other than them. <laughs> no, I, you start somewhere, right? Like yes. everybody starts somewhere. And yeah, I yeah. was pretty much, yeah, I had all these books and everything and like I'd been published in magazines and stuff, but it, I was starting in zero. Like I was restarting my career pretty much. Like everything that had come before was a lot of me being stupid and listening to bad advice and, and a lot of learning craft, which was good, you know. I, I don't think I could have written this series quite the same way, obviously, you know, back mm-hmm. in 2010. And then to get book two out as soon as possible, like within a month is best, I think. Because right, let- momentum is your best friend. If you're not someone who can get that second book out that quickly. I would w- wait. Okay. Honestly. All right. Yeah, but I, I see people do this all the time where it's like, all right, I've got this book and I know I should price it at 99 cents, so I'm going to price it at 99 cents and two years later I'm going to release the second book. And that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I, that's not a model I would go with personally. Okay, so wait until you've got the second book ready to go. Yeah, I would, I would wait until I, you have two books ready to go and then you're also partially into the third one so you can get it out within two months after the second. Okay. Because I think that that is going to play into things much like that will build. And then after that, you know, every three months, I would not go longer than three months between releases. I have, and it's a terrible idea. No, I was going to say, you, you wouldn't advise that anyone to do that. But no, you... <laughs> I, I lost a ton of momentum last year because of that. And, you know, I'm sure that I have some unhappy readers because I took seven months to get out book six, especially after the cliffhanger in book five. Oh! So... Yeah, book five is like the Empire Strikes Back of the series. <laughs> it's 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 why it has you know all my books have like a four star better rating. Book five has like a three point five. Oh, because people were packed oh, off so, about the they're ending. They're so pissed. Yeah, yeah, I knew they would be, but that's okay because the sell through to book six is great. So, all right, and and this fictional friend of yours, or this this real friend, whatever whatever it is we're talking about here, <laughs> did you advise her to? Redo covers, hire uh, yeah. a really excellent cover design person? I did, yes. 
to, to make sure that the covers were on point. And like, I, I think that wow factor cannot be underestimated. I think you can get away with not doing it and you'll see plenty of examples of people who hit it out of the park and, and mm-hmm. their covers are like, huh, I wouldn't buy that, but whatever. But I think that those people are, are more of the exception and that they made things harder for themselves than they needed to be. And that most people, if you put a crappy, unprofessional looking cover, you're just, you know, building your mountain a little bit higher. It's yeah. pretty easy to, to get a sense of what your books are all about just from looking at the covers, especially if you look at six of them at one time. Well, and I think that that's, that's part of branding. Mm-hmm. You know, your cover does not need to be a perfect representation of your book. Your cover needs to tell the reader that this is a book in this genre, you know, with this kind of feel that you want to read. Like, that's what your cover needs to do. And so, I mean, because like the, the, you know, the, the model on my covers is not, she's as close as we could get to a Native American with stock art. Because, like, if you ever want to be really sad about the state of, of race in America, just Google Native American on a stock site. Like, like use that search term mm-hmm. and you will just weep because <laughs> it's so bad. It's, it's just a bunch of white girls and, like, like super culturally appropriative, like, featherhead dresses and stuff. It's, it's horrible. So, you know, we, we did the best that we could, but it's not like she looks like Jade. Okay, so what else did did our fictional person do to to turn their career around? That's pretty much what they did. And it just started working? Yeah, I I think that this person who totally exists and not exists at the same time, no. Um, (laughs) I'm pretty sure she's up to six books now. Let me look. Yeah, so she, she way caught up to me. She started like a year after I did, but she's been releasing faster. And it's working for her. So that's wonderful. So it is the, yeah. this process that you have developed for yourself that you've seen other people do uh, is, is something that you've been able to help other people to to do, and, and they, they're able to replicate it, maybe not at the same level that you have, but uh, to increase their chances of success. Well, here, I'll, I'll just for your edification so you know I'm not crazy, I will post a link to the book. Okay. I don't think you're crazy. I just didn't know whether what you wanted to give the person's name or not. So if you, if you want to give the person's name, go ahead and give it. I don't want it. to give her name. Today. Okay. All right. And I don't think you're crazy. I, don't, I, I didn't think you but, were trying to make something there's up. There's a product link. That's the series I'm talking about. Okay. And I, take, I take all the credit now. No, I mean she, she also is a fantastic writer and – but she was a case of following poor advice. We'll just say that. I don't actually want to give away who she is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and she also hit a wall in her life and was desperately, I mean, she was like me, you know, she, she was at bottom and she needed some way to go up. And so I basically just told her what I did and I didn't really expect like, I was hoping that I wasn't giving her bad advice because you never want to do that. Right. Like, Unless, you know, it's like you want people to succeed, um, especially great writers. And so I was, I was really happy when she started doing stuff and then succeeded. And there's been a couple of other people who asked me for advice on the keyboards and stuff who have come back months later and been like, oh, my God, I'm paying my rent now. Thank you so much. So that, that 
that makes me feel a little better. And I am I am looking now at this author's at the link that you sent me, and she's ranked in the top one hundred in one, two, three, four different categories. And this is for a book that was published in late 2015. It has a fantastic cover. Yeah, she's <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so that's the yeah, that's the series. So yeah, she's she's doing great. All right. So how are you doing this year? How's it going? Um, Two months well, into it. To, <laughs> well, I had pneumonia again, and I lost all of January, basically, to, of not working. Um, I, was, I wrote a little bit, but I, I didn't love it what I was doing. So it was pretty slow going. Um, so I'm basically playing catch up now this year, but revenue but, wise, but revenue wise, how's it going? Well, it's, it's like November and December were great because any release in December. Um, and then January was okay. February was, uh, pretty, pretty sad. <laughs> Because I was between, so let's see, January, I'll, I'll just say the numbers, who cares? Um, so January, I sold about 6,000 books and made about $14,000. And then in February, I sold about 4,200 books and made just shy of $10,000. Which isn't is, it, isn't it interesting in a year what's, what has gone from uh, what would have been a windfall in July of last year is now sort of a down month? Yeah, yeah. Anytime my income drops below, like, 10,000, I get pretty sad, which is, I know, totally crazy, but, um, but that's business too. I mean, you know, once, once you reach a certain level, you just want to go higher and higher and higher. You're, if you're not, well, and also I had to pay taxes too. Like, fortunately I saved a bunch for that. I'm not an idiot, but mm-hmm. it's still going to be really painful. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Cause so. I, I'm pretty sure you weren't making estimated payments based on uh, a gross income of $263,000. Yeah, I made estimated payments based on 2014's income. <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna have um some some serious five figure IRS check writing here soon. That's gonna suck. Okay, so in the middle of last year, you came up with an idea for a new series. This was nine months ago, and in the last nine months, you've made over three hundred thousand dollars. You've set aside. A big chunk of that for taxes. You've probably well, no, paid it wasn't off nine months ago. It was like a year and a half ago now, right? Oh, you're right. You're right. July yeah. of 2014. Like 18 months. Okay. All right. But still, it's still a lot. It's still a great story. And it's a very inspiring story. And I'm so thankful that, that you wrote about it on your blog and that you're willing to come on and, and share it with us. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 I don't know. It's just like one of those things where like I always had this goal, like I quit my job to be a writer and I was like, all right, I told my husband I need 10 years and I'm going to make us rich. And, you know, it it sounds crazy. Right. And then like now I'm doing it, but you got to keep doing it. Like you can't ever stop. It's, It's like a treadmill, but a manual treadmill. So if you stop moving, it stops moving. And so that part has been eye-opening because it's it's great to have a month where it's like oh my god you know I just made more this month than any year of having a day job ever for either of us kind of thing and my husband got to retire and he's back in school now and but also I know that if I 
were to stop writing for some reason, and especially as somebody who has like a lot of illness issues and gets mm-hmm. delayed a lot, like, you know, I don't, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to write period. Like, I don't know what's going to happen with my health. You know, I, I, I always joke, although it's not really that much of a joke. Like if I see 70, I will be amazed. <laughs> and I don't think I can keep up like a four to six year book a year pace, you know, for 30 years. Like it's probably not going to happen. So I'm trying to do as much as I can right now while I'm still like have more good months than bad months kind of thing. Do you, but, do you have a sense that once, once you reach a certain level that putting out a couple books a year will allow you to keep the momentum going? No, no. I think that it will, uh, I think things are just going to get harder in a lot of ways. I mean, I think that, I think the only level at which you can basically coast is when you have, um, can I swear? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> when you have fuck it all money in the bank. <laughs> uh-huh. And, and before that level, like, I don't think there is any coasting. You know, I've seen people hit the New York Times bestseller list and like sell 100,000 copies of a book. And then two years later, it's like, whatever happened to you know, I, I can't, I can't coast. Like I need to oh, keep being a better writer. I need to keep on writing more books. Um, one of the things that I'm going to do this year is I want to get going on some of my other ideas. You know, you, you can't stop moving and you can't stop learning either because it's the, the business is always changing and what worked in 2011 doesn't work now. And what works now is probably not going to work in you know 2020. And so there, there's a lot of, you know, just, just keeping on top of things and making sure that you're not, you know, that you're hearing about new stuff and like not saying, Oh my God, I don't want to do that. Like that's stupid. It's, it's too new. It's never going to work. Or like, you know, I, I like to, the, the analogy I use is that, you know, some people play offense and some people play defense. Mm -hmm. And so defense is like when something like, you know, Kindle unlimited 2.0 comes along, the defensive people are like, Oh my God, this is, this is terrible. It's ruining everything. My income is falling. Like, I don't know what to do. This is the worst. And they try to like desperately hold on to what they have. And the people who play offense are like, okay, I'm going to start writing longer books. I'm going to do this. This is my plan for going wide. If I don't want to be in KU anymore, like these are the steps I'm going to take, you know, how do I take advantage of this? How is it working for other people? You know, they, they go on the offensive. And like, so I try really hard. It's not my natural inclination. My natural inclination is very much to be a defensive person. Cause I just, I, I just don't want to throw myself out there, which I know looks weird for somebody to quit her job to be a writer <laughs> um, and, and put, put her cover art on her, on her last, like last <laughs> little bit of credit card on, on a total gamble. But, and I used to be a pro poker player, like in, in some ways I'm very not risk averse and in other ways I'm very risk averse, but I always, if, if I find myself saying like, oh man, that no, this sucks, like this algo change or this new thing program that's rolling out, like this is dumb. If I find myself saying that, I try to make sure that I take a step back and I'm like, wait, why am I saying this? What are the actual results people are having? Like, is this something that I actually can incorporate? You know, do I, am I being lazy or is this actually a bad idea for me kind of thing? Is there anything on the horizon that you're looking at right now that you're thinking I may need to try that in the next few months? I can't I can't think of any. I mean, I want to try out Kindle Unlimited. My I've mostly been wide. Mm-hmm. But I realized last year looking at everything that 91% of my income came from Amazon anyway. 
Wow. So I'm, I'm clearly very bad at selling on the other side. <laughs> so part of me is like, well, <laughs> I don't want to do it to this series because I do have a, a, a small but loyal following of people, you know, on the other sites. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I wouldn't want to be mean to my readers. I still value them, you know, even if, even if they're not as a, as a big readership as the people who are buying from Amazon, you know, I still make a couple thousand a month usually on the other sites. And so to me, that's, you know, valuable, even though I'm pretty sure that I could make a lot more if I was in Kindle Unlimited. But I think if I write a series specifically for Kindle Unlimited and look at how to utilize that and and if it can work for me and if I can springboard something with borrows and things like that and maybe reach a readership that I haven't reached. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I'm looking at this year is is maybe doing that with the next series is is having it at least temporarily Amazon only and seeing how that goes. All right. Let me ask you one last question and then we'll wrap up. I'm intrigued by this defense and offense analogy that you've made. And I I think it's a a really – it's a great analogy. And I want to go back to like – 2013, when you were curled up in a ball, just waiting for the pain to end. Uh, at, at what point did you decide to go on offense? I think when I realized that there was no, there was nothing to hang on to. Nothing left to defend. <laughs> yeah, it was. You know, it. It. <laughs> I. I think of it kind of like the. There's this one video of like a, a duck. And it's actually a sad video, although I think that the people get the ducklings out. But she's bringing her ducklings across the road, and they keep on falling into this grate. And so, like, the the mother duck keeps on bringing the ducklings across, and they just keep disappearing until she has no ducklings. (laughs) And, like, that was kind of how my career was going, is I just kept on doing the same thing, and I kept losing my ducks. So I think that what finally happened is that I, I just hit this rock bottom where I, I literally could not keep doing the same thing that I had been doing because it was so obvious even to me that, you know, in my stubbornness, that this was just not going to work. And it was having real life consequences, you know, to the point where like I was broke, I was sick. Like we, you know, we, we had to uh, break our lease and move into a super shitty cheap apartment (laughs) and like you know it was it was causing stress on me it was causing stress on my husband like we were it was bad days and you know I I hit that that wall and there was just there was you know nothing I could do except either quit writing which I wasn't willing to do or you know figure out like like abandon all of my old principles and just be like, okay, what next? Like, let's do something different. Like, let's do something completely different. That is nothing like anything I've done before. Let's throw all of that out. Like every bit of advice that I've been following, let's check it all out. Like, I have an agent now. That's how far away I went. <laughs> I've got an agent. He's great. And uh, it's, it's worked out pretty good. Well, this has been absolutely fantastic, and you are a delight to talk with. This has been really fun for me. Where can people find you online, Annie? On my website. Which, which is? is? AnnieBelay.com. And that's where you can also see all these fantastic covers and reader blog. And I will link to the site. I'll link to the, uh, the post with all of the 
uh, with the 2015 income because we didn't cover everything that was in that post. It's it's certainly worth reading if you're if you're an author. Uh, thank you so much for being here today. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you for having me.